Everyone has a friend, parent, sibling, child, or coworker you see every day. No one expects them to mysteriously disappear. Lauren's case goes back to June of 2020, and it recently received national attention. Her picture was on the front of People magazine with other missing moms. Where is Lauren DeMolo? I'm Hillary Wadsworth. And I'm Caitlin Boddy. And you're listening to Complicit. Before the press conference and the fire drill of believing Lauren's body had been located, we left off with episode eight, where we spoke with Victor, Lauren's stepdad, about his observations and thoughts on Lauren's disappearance. If you haven't heard episode eight yet, or the rest of season one for that matter, you'll want to listen to those episodes first so that this bonus episode makes sense. Victor's interview was an important one because, as you know by now, he factors in heavily throughout the story, and it makes sense that he would. He saw Lauren on a regular basis and works right up to the day of this podcast recording with Gabby, Lauren's live-in boyfriend at the time. Prior to speaking with us, Victor had not given a public interview, but he had spoken with police in the course of their investigation numerous times. As we've heard, and actually as we've experienced ourselves, Victor isn't the easiest guy to talk to. He's a quiet guy who has to be probed for conversation. It can lead to awkward moments, and more than that, in a case like this, it could also easily lead one to believe that he's hiding something. With the exception of her Aunt Sue, Lauren's family members have actually never spoken directly to Victor about Lauren's disappearance, which yes, surprised us too. Lauren's dad, Paul, despite his gruff exterior, has been respectful of the police investigation. And while he has gone off to do his own digging, he's backed off when instructed to do so and would never jeopardize the case in any way. In the context of Paul believing that Victor may know something or is involved, it becomes more clear why he has steered clear of approaching Victor personally. Lindsay, Lauren's sister, and Matt, her husband, have avoided the topic with Victor simply because of how awkward it is. Imagine someone you've known for years, who was your mother's partner, who babysat your children, who continues to send birthday presents and comment positively on your social media posts. It's not an easy suspicion to broach, especially with someone who doesn't offer up information proactively. But it was also double-sided. Victor relayed to us that he felt Lauren's family wouldn't talk to him anymore after he voiced unpopular observations about her lifestyle that contradicted what others in her family believed, namely that she had relapsed into drug use, and he believed it could have had something to do with her disappearance. Our interview with Victor was the first time Lauren's family got further insight into what he believed happened. And it also provided them with a more in-depth perspective on Gabby, through Victor's lens, of course. After listening to the episode, they pointed out contradictions they noticed, and some of them we had noticed too, based on what we have learned from our investigation. To start, in Victor's interview, he was adamant that Gabby does not do drugs and frowns upon drug use in general. However, we know Lauren has told Paul that she's smoked marijuana with Gabby, and we know that Gabby currently takes strong prescription pain medication, according to our sources. 
But Gabby's stance on drugs aside, Lauren's sobriety continues to remain a subject in question, as different people have different opinions. On one hand, there's Victor saying she was using again, and he had specifically reported that Lauren was taking ecstasy. But she told me she got some uh, ecstasy from the whoever these people are. On the other hand, Paul, Lindsay, and Matt aren't so convinced that Lauren was abusing drugs based on their interactions with her. I knew Lauren well enough just from talking to her on the phone. I could tell when she was using or she wasn't using. Even when she got into trouble in North Michaela, she told me, Dad, I screwed up. You know, she didn't lie to me. She didn't, like, try to hide it and said, you know, they're, they're full of shit, that had nothing like that. You know, she told me straight up, you know, she took responsibility for her actions. When I spoke to Lauren, I asked her straight up. She didn't say nothing about ecstasy. She said, no, you know, I, I haven't been doing anything. I'm really trying and doing everything right to get, you know, Michaela back. She said, you know, they would, they would come and do random drug tests all the time. And, you know, I was always clean, Dad. Initially, Matt had given some thought to the idea that Lauren relapsed, but at the time, he came up empty-handed. When I talked to her, she seemed very clear on the phone. She did not seem like someone who was messed up on drugs. And no one around the family, I was around everybody except for Victor. I mean, he was there, but he doesn't talk. Uh, He just sits in the corner. I never heard anybody saying that she was doing drugs all the time or even confirmed that. And that was a question I had for a lot of people. So for him to just come out and say, oh, yeah, she's just a druggie. You know, Lauren is on all these drugs. And then he even says when he went in the apartment, you, you said to him, did you see drugs? Oh, I was looking for a body, not drugs. OK, well, where are all these drugs? Paul also noted that if Lauren was using, Gabby didn't make mention of it to him the two times he called regarding Lauren. Gabby called me up to tell me that she was having another episode. But he never called me to tell me, hey, listen, you know, Lauren's using again. We're having problems. Maybe you should come down here. You know, you can talk to her, you know, straighten her out, get her into a program. I never got a no call like that. He never mentioned anything like that to me. Since we have still not had the opportunity to speak with Gabby, Victor's interview so far is the closest we've gotten, which is why it's important to mention here that Paul, Matt and Lindsay are not necessarily disagreeing with Victor, but they are reacting to the information Victor shared. For example, early on in our interview, Victor cited Lauren's return to drug use as the main stressor in Lauren and Gabby's relationship. He continued on with an explanation for it. Gabby told me about the ecstasy. He said that she brought it home and wanted to try it with him because it was a sexual enhancer. Paul noted how incongruous it was for Victor to say that Lauren brought ecstasy home for she and Gabby to do together, if there was known tension over drug use in their relationship. Victor, I think, contradicted himself, just like he said, well, you know, Gabby would never, you know, tolerate her coming home with drugs and doing drugs and this and that, right? But yet, he said, she went home with ecstasy and asked Gabby to do it with her? Really? Well, that kind of contradicts your whole thing, what you just said about what he did. Victor relayed that Lauren's alleged drug use would strain the relationship, so much so that it was not uncommon, according to Victor, for either Lauren or Gabby to spend the night elsewhere while there was relationship friction. Gabby would leave because she would come home all jacked up on drugs. He didn't want any part of that because they were trying to get Michaela back. She'd go out and she'd get a little bit messed up and she didn't want to come home in that condition, so she would just stay wherever she was at. 
This struck a chord with Paul, who noted the inconsistency between Gabby's phone call to him on June 19th, 2020, and what Victor relayed as common behavior for Lauren. And, you know, she stayed away for two days at a time because she did not want him to know what she was doing. But all of a sudden she decided one day, well, I'm going to go home and see if he wants to do drugs with me. What kind of bullshit is that? They can't both be true. They can't. He didn't call me and tell me, you know, she was out again. You know, she's, she, she, you know, I think maybe she's been using because she, you know, she'll do this every now and again, maybe a day or two. Maybe you can call her and find her. Paul, I'm worried about her. You know what I'm saying? That never happened. All I got was a call was, oh, I came home and she's gone. I gave her a kiss goodbye this morning and come home tonight and she's gone. There were a few other details that jumped out after speaking with Victor, like the fact that he didn't know about Lauren's letter she wrote to her daughter that was left on his kitchen table the morning of June 1st, 2020, the same day as her first Baker Act. And then there was Victor's explanation of the cadaver dogs leading the handlers directly to his apartment from a starting point in the park. I couldn't understand. The only thing I could think of was maybe they smell where my cat had passed away underneath the bed like a week or so prior. Matt and Lindsay weighed in on this explanation. I mean, my mom and Victor did have a cat, Zoe, but Zoe had passed away almost a year prior to the cadaver dogs going into their home. And the cat did die underneath the bed, but again... The cadaver dogs were at the park, sniffing the park out, and then there was a whole trail leading up to their house. Okay, maybe he didn't lie. He made an honest mistake. But a year and a half was the actual amount of time. Then there was Victor's account of the maintenance man. If you recall, Victor gave a detailed explanation of the maintenance man, the one who was in his and Anne's apartment the day she fell ill and ultimately passed away the same maintenance man who allegedly saw Lauren the day she went missing. Yes, he was supposed to be here. The labor lady downstairs had a leak, and he had to come in and fix the hot water heater. So he came, he knocked on the door, and nobody answered. He knocked on the door, and nobody answered. He went ahead and took the pass key and came in, fixed the hot water heater, and then when he went to go into the guest bathroom to... uh, turn the faucet on to drain out, to get the air out of the lines. He opened the door and said, oh, I'm so sorry. He went and turned the kitchen sink on and drained it and and left. Before speaking with Victor, we had been unable to find any proof of the maintenance man having a work order to be in his and Anne's apartment. In episode six, Aunt Sue spoke to the maintenance man herself. And he tried to deny he was there. And I said, you can't deny you were there. I said, I have your note that you wrote. And then when I said to him, why wouldn't you call a paramedic? He did not know what to say. And then I said, better yet, why don't you call Victor? And he goes, Victor, acting like he doesn't know who Victor is. He knows who Victor is. Matt actually called the company that owned the building. And here's what he was told. When Aunt Sue talked to the maintenance man, he said, who's Victor? Act like he didn't know Victor. But Victor knows his 
day to day, I personally, me, Matthew Smith, I called the company that owned the building, RTS. They talked to me. I was surprised that they did, but they, they told me everything. I said, this is right after her mother went to the hospital and they didn't ask me to tell them any like information about myself. They just were pretty forthcoming. They said, uh, no, there was no work order that day. I said, do maintenance men go into apartments without a work order? And the girl said, absolutely not. That is against the rules. No one's going in any apartments unless there's a work order. Here's the thing. What Victor has done is he's just said, there is a work order. I live there. Everything's okay. It's above board. He's, he's allowed to be there. He's changing history. He's rewriting it. The next thing that jumped out was the difference in what Victor told us were Lauren's whereabouts the night before she went missing and what we actually know. Victor relayed that Gabby told him Lauren was home all night. When we told Victor that Lauren had actually been out at some point in the evening, it visibly caught him off guard. He was surprised. When you told him that things were different for sure than what he thought they were with regards to Lauren's actual physical location the night before or the night she did disappear, because there's a lot of different information on that. He couldn't handle it. He didn't know what to say. As you can see, there are discrepancies with some pretty important pieces to the story amongst those who knew Lauren best and were involved in her life up until her disappearance. As for Lauren's family, Victor's simple explanations only raise more red flags. It just really felt like he was there to exonerate Gabby and the maintenance man and anybody or anything that we've had any headway as far as like leads. He, it's like he tried to shut them all down. But then when you have things like the letter to the house, he doesn't know anything about that. He, he says the cat had died and that's why the dogs had gone to the house. And our boss killed himself, but it's no big deal. He, you know, he COVID and, and divorced. The maintenance man was supposed to be in the apartment. Gabby did not do drugs. Lauren did that. Gabby had nothing to do with it. There's just all these things. All he did for me was just, it was red flag after red flag. I feel like everything that he's definitively says no on is what we should investigate further. And to Victor's theory that Lauren is still alive... I think it's a smokescreen. That's what I think. I think she's still alive, meaning stop looking. There's nothing to see here. Move on. But Lauren's family will never move on until they find Lauren. Lauren's story continues to garner national attention. On national television, the Dr. Phil show is now covering her case with an episode set to air December 7th, 2021. And in national print, Lauren's smiling image was featured front and center on the cover of People magazine's September 20th, 2021 edition. She's pictured with her daughter alongside seven other missing moms, and their cases are detailed within. The article is titled, Mystery and Heartbreak, Where Are These Missing Moms? Indeed, where is Lauren DeMolo?
Thanks for listening to this bonus episode of Complicit. We continue to work behind the scenes to find out what happened to Lauren DeMolo. And in the next episode, someone close to Gabby, Lauren, and the case shares his perspective. My name is Brian, and I'm friends with both Gabby and Lauren. I just felt like I needed to, you know, say something. An easy way for you to help solve this mystery is for you to share this podcast or leave a five-star review wherever you are listening. Thank you, and be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss future updates about the case. Thanks for listening to Complicit, a true mystery podcast about the disappearance of Lauren DeMolo. If you have any information about the disappearance of Lauren DeMolo, please call 1-800-780-TIPS. That's 1-800-780-8477. Or go to www.capecops.com slash tips. Or you can text a tip to crimes. That's 274637. Tips can be left anonymously, and there is a reward currently being offered for information leading to an arrest. Be sure to subscribe for future episodes and continued developments in Lauren's case. For additional information you won't hear and can't see on the podcast, visit our website at complicit-podcast.com. Also, be sure to follow us on social media, on Facebook at Complicit Podcast, on Twitter at Complicit underscore pod, and on Instagram at complicit underscore podcast. Complicit is a production of Seventh Guest Productions and produced by Resonate Recordings. And now, here's another podcast we like, and you may as well.